just open up this seltzer preemptively and we'll get going. <laughs> seltzer. I got it. Well, it's a weekday, you know. <laughs> Hard partying. You gotta you have to cleanse your system with seltzer, with carbonated yep. water. I've uh, I've become quite partial to liquid death's sparkling water. I like that it comes in a tall boy. Uh, yes, uh, we got some actually. My girlfriend got some as like a promo for something for through her job, and uh, nice. I did like it. I thought it was pretty good. I'm a big fan. I haven't tried it yet. I need to. I mean, I'm sure uh, it tastes like the water, carbonation but... isn't as uh, sharp as some of the others. Hmm. No, it's pretty soft. It's it nice. Has a, uh, it has There's a nice a... mouth feel. As they say, <laughs> uh, it, it it feels more like beer, like you're drinking beer. Weirdly enough, apparently that's exactly what they were going for too, is to give it like a, a beer like texture, but sparkling water, as opposed to more like soda. Respect. Diary of Doom. I'm your Cypher Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you may stream your podcast from. And if you have a question or what have you, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Uh, recording from a different location at the moment. So if there's any uh, weird audio issues, just wanted to make everyone hip to that. But joining us for this week's chapter is... Doomsday Prophet. They're a relatively new band uh, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, if that sounds uh, familiar at all, it's because we just talked to uh, Brenna from the Crystal Spiders pretty recently. Uh, they're also from the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and uh, but they're not. Uh, they're they they've all got their uh, they've all got their grit under them. So uh, <laughs> joining us tonight is uh, uh, Brian and Ryan. Why? Why do you do this to me? <laughs> that's, that's we get asked that a says. lot. Uh, actually, we all have rhyming friends in this band. That's true. Yep. Kevin brought his friend Evan to a show recently, and uh, Trad, who's also the drummer in Crystal Spiders, uh, we share we share Trad. Uh, he has a good friend named Brad who comes out sometimes, so it gets really confusing for everybody. Yeah, it's been a constant uh, struggle throughout my life because I've always had a friend named Brian, no matter what stage of my life. So it's just been a constant struggle for me. They just assume the B. I just go with it. I don't care. I guess I'm. I guess I'm lucky that I don't know of that many uh, names that rhyme with Dylan. Because if I started meeting people named like Cillin or like Tillin, I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, that's Dylan a good. Got, yeah, it's pretty. Cillian. Cillian is kind of close. 
like silly mm, yeah things. it's it's not quite there though so I you gotta you it. gotta slur it a little bit like <laughs> uh you know i'm i'm gonna call out trad here for a moment for yeah. not being on the crystal spiders episode and saddling uh Brenna, who was basically ready to pop uh, during the entire episode, um, and also he's not here tonight either. <laughs> uh, we uh, we don't always let him out in public, so yeah. <laughs> Bad trad. We just we just keep him locked in the basement where he just rocks on the drums. That's how he gets so good. He just he never sees the light of day, and when we keep him in darkness, that's when he's his best. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you uh, have a debut al uh, album coming out in Idle Orbit. Um, it's coming out uh, uh, November 12th, correct? That correct. is correct. Yeah, uh, which is a couple weeks from uh, as of the time of this recording. Um, but obviously, you know, um, leading up to where you are now, and, um, what were your earliest experiences with music? And I'm willing to bet that you have some because you all kind of come from some kind of relation. You all have some kind of relationship to music, whether it's actually being like a musician or you were a, a, a journalist or a writer, as uh, Ryan was talking about in mm -hmm. the preamble. Yeah. Ryan, do you want to give your musical resume? Oh, gosh. Uh I need, I need to think about it. Ego, ego first. All right. Well, mine's pretty short. This is the first band I've uh, ever been in that actually got to the point of playing shows or, or recording anything. So before that, for, you know, I was a, I was a punk kid growing up and uh, went from that. And as I got into college, started writing for the student newspaper, doing record reviews um and so i have been a i'll say semi-pro music critic for about uh <laughs> a little more than a decade um but most of my participation in the music scene has been from from that perspective um being the one taking notes in the audience um listening to a lot of records and and just kind of absorbing it and trying to contextualize it for people so um i think rather than have a bunch of experience playing in different bands, I kind of have uh, much more background in just listening to stuff and kind of pulling together different threads. Yeah, I was, uh, <clears throat> so some good friends in high school, I, I started off as the band photographer and I did like a little bit of their uh, photoshopping for album covers and stuff. Um, and it was actually the bassist of that band who taught me how to play bass and encouraged me to play bass. And so we started kind of like a prog metal group uh, around like senior year of high school. That we played nothing big... better than high school prog metal, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we came sixth in the battle of the bands that we played out of six bands. Uh, but we didn't yell at the people that were doing the sound. So I consider us number one in that <laughs> regard. I think everyone else did. Whatever. Uh, More <laughs> so, <bass>. yeah, <laughs> no, like the, seriously, the people that won uh, and like the third place were just being super catty to the, the people at the sound booth at this like amphitheater in the middle of a like city park. It was like the the most like cat like I don't know. So I didn't much know we were going to be unearthing drama from 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know they're I don't know if they're still playing music, so I'm also going to count that as a win. 
but I went to we're not in fucking doomsday profit. <laughs> Hell yeah. If we if we ever run into them, you know, I'll passive aggressively just sit in the corner. <laughs> what was that, Brian? I said you'll show them what for. Yeah, by being non-confrontational. Uh with the sound people. Um, yeah, so then I went to to college. I intended to go into uh, the music industry. Like I wanted to work at a, at a record label, but through um, interning at a record label, which is where I met Brian, um, I realized that that probably wasn't the best way to pay the bills and it would probably make me hate the thing that I love most. And I really didn't want to do that. So in college, I just stuck to being a, uh, a DJ at the college station going into program director and eventually the general manager of the college station in my final year. Hey, um, high five. I did all yeah. that except for the GM part. Hell yeah. College radio for life, dude. It fucking oh. ruled, man. I loved it. That was like probably the highlight of my college years. For sure. And I can't, so I'll, I'll get there in a sec, but WHUP is kind of like I had been missing something for so long after doing that. And then WHEP came around uh, and I started doing Global Garage, um, which is a, a show that we play. We focus on playing rock and tangential, rock, tangential, punk, psych, metal, um, what have you from around the world. We try to source it from more than just US and UK and Australia and Canada um, because those tend to dominate the airwaves. So it forces us to dig a little bit deeper and we've kind of unearthed some really, really cool scenes around the world. And it's been it's been a blast kind of diving into that and kind of seeing the worlds of Doomsday Prophet and Global Garage collide in various different ways has been also yeah. pretty fun. Um, but yeah, in, in college, I was in a, uh, a, a hip hop punk indie band. Um, that sounds which, like something that would exist in college. Mm -hmm. It very much was. It was very terrible, but we had a blast. It was so fun to play. And people, some people really liked us, which was weird even for me to admit. Um, but we, we, we generally sucked. Uh, and then I was in some other like random ad hoc bands here and there. And like at the end, very end of college, I was in a band with Trad. That's how we met. We were in a uh, a punk band that uh, was a bit short lived. But uh, then I stopped playing music and I stopped doing radio for the better part of a decade until the WHEP opportunity came around and until Brian was like, "Hey, you want to uh, Let, let's play some riffs? Play some riffs?" And so I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then we tried to find a drummer. And Trad was already in Crystal Spiders, but we yeah, were like, actually, hey, maybe he can overcommit himself. Yeah, we had been uh, racking. He's a drummer. Our... That's what they're supposed to fucking do. <laughs> right. uh, we, we'd been racking our brains, like kind of going through our, our Facebook friends, trying to like, does this person play drums? I think this person has a drum set. We should ask them. And then uh, it was right about that time that Crystal Spiders first announced their existence. And Ryan was like, wait a second. I know that guy. I was like, well, why don't we, why don't we call him up? And, uh, and it worked out. Um, and then. Hey, hey, Trad, I know you just said you were going to be in this, this new band. Do you want to be in another new band? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly. It's kind of similar to kind of what you're doing, but not quite. 
And yeah. he was just like, God damn it, I have to do it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that just shows you how committed to the Doom groove that Chad Yancey really is. I mean, he is a sick drummer. All that <laughs> joking aside, he's really fucking good. He's uh, he's also a really good arranger and sort of corraller of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Ryan and I started jamming together, we kind of had some some stray ideas that weren't really taking shape. And uh, Chad actually helped us turn them into real songs. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we played one show as a trio, uh, which was which was fun. I think it went pretty well, but we realized that we needed something more. So Trad had played with Kevin in another band and up until fairly recently before uh, Doomsday Prophet and Crystal Spiders got going. Um, they had both <clears throat> left that band and, and had a little bit of a break, but Kevin came in bringing uh, a whole new perspective. Uh, you know, he's, he's relatively new to the genre, but um has also done a lot of uh sideman roles and played with a bunch of different people so he's one of those guys that can just kind of pick up anything and run with it and um you know we're kind of giving him an opportunity to just step out front and and uh tear it up on guitar and i think it was really the x factor that that we needed to to be the band that we wanted to be when did you start getting into heavy music? And like, you know, that could, that could be obviously, uh, you know, like a formative band or if there was like an album uh, that sort of was more within this genre that or even adjacent to or just something that was fucking weird. It made you say you wanted to go explore, you know, further aspects of music. Um, like what are what's your kind of background on that stuff? Uh, well, it's going to be different for every member of the band. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be strange if you all said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I-, I can go on for a long time on this. So, Ryan, why don't you go first? My, yeah, mine is mine is shorter. Uh, yeah, so the same, my same buddy who taught me how to play bass really in, in high school, really got into Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, and then from there into Porcupine Tree. And that's where I really got hooked on like the heavier side of stuff. Um, those last couple of Porcupine Tree albums or In Absentia and Dead Wing were like kind of my gateway into the heavier, heavier stuff, as well as Prague uh, in general. Um, but I, I, I guess shout out to Dave, who also plays in Vassal and Antiquity. Antiquity is a dope ass new uh, black metal band. That just played. What was the the woods? Yeah, they played the Shadow Woods Festival. Oh, yeah. they did. That, they played there. The, I, I heard that was a pretty show. cool event. Yeah. So from from there, I, I never I re- never really clicked with. I always listened to it. I always enjoyed it. Heavy heavy music, but it wasn't until I kind of started hanging out with Brian and we started going on long drives to the uh, the beach to do day trip surfing. Uh, outings and you forced upon me some uh some dope heavy shit i finally like gave between the buried and me like the time of day that they deserved and like colors just fucking clicked with me um and from there you know you got me in a pig destroyer and you know it kind of broke me from there so although i i have to admit you were you were the first to get into electric wizard that's that is true that is true so i'll credit where it's due i will i will take that I don't know. I always liked heavy stuff as long as I like was aware of music on my own. Like I, I, I got into punk rock growing up, you know, started out with your typical kind of skate punk bands and then 
pretty quickly gravitated towards minor threat, black flag, dead Kennedys, that kind of thing. And then uh, one summer, I think my fresh after my freshman year in college, I I worked uh, just sort of like an hourly gig at a warehouse, and uh, our our boss was an old roadie uh, who let us listen to whatever we wanted to. Uh, and the other kid I worked with was a metalhead, so I'd bring in my Black Flag records, and um, the one he brought in that really stuck with me was Horacle by In Flames, uh, yeah. one of their their good albums. Um, and uh it kind of opened my eyes to I was already sort of edging my way into you know more metallic stuff through through the hardcore side of things but um that really kind of opened my eyes to what metal could be more than what I thought it was um and so it was just sort of like down the rabbit hole from there and in college i got really into stuff like pelican and isis and then mm-hmm. boris's pink came out and completely blew my mind so i got from boris into pretty much the whole southern lord sun earth all that stuff um and uh you know just kept digging from there uh and then as a writer i kind of ended up being the guy that they would throw any loud heavy stuff too so it was great because that's what i wanted uh but it also kind of exposed me to a lot of things that i probably wouldn't have found if i was just your everyday music consumer um and you know that opened up a lot of doors um i was able to do uh, a pretty extensive feature on corrosion of conformity for our local paper here which you know, that is just its own whole family tree of heaviness from hardcore into stoner rock into alt rock and, you know, crossing paths with, you know, my old hardcore heroes uh, and then going into stuff like Weed Eater and Sour Vein and Buzz Oven, who were all sort of in that same North Carolina heavy rock shadow. Um, and I think that's sort of where subconsciously, at least the roots of this band started to sprout. Yeah, less drugs. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're uh, we're a relatively straight laced for a sonar rock band. <laughs> yeah. I would say. Okay, I, I, Brian. I don't know how much this was at your the forefront of your mind when we were discussing the concept. I mean, you you came to me with a concept, and I I love wordplay and I love puns and concepts and shit. Uh, and I I remember really liking the idea of literal doom like making music that is literally about doom, that is doom. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we, we tend to go is more on the, uh, the end of times than hitting the bong. Yeah, definitely. It's like, like when I was listening to the, the record again, like I said, you're all seasoned musicians and uh, you know, members of other bands and part of that, I think that's kind of what lends it to the, it being uh, or uh, it, obviously in idle orbits uh tightness but it's got like all those grimy riffs um of those those kinds of bands but mm-hmm. like at the same time has a little bounce to it if that makes any sense like mm-hmm. you know you can kind of tell that you're drawing in a little influence from stuff like earthless and church of misery which is like yeah fuzzy but it's like earthless is like fun to listen to and church of misery is like you know obviously it's all fucked up and about <laughs> like don't tell me like you don't like to dance to a song like shotgun boogie it's like kind of <laughs> yeah I, you know it's um 
I, I think part of that is just the collision of influences that we each bring to the table. I think if it was, uh, if I was left to my own devices, it would just be like the most dour, mean-spirited sludge band you've ever heard. Just like nothing but <laughs> like third speed grindcore riffs and <laughs> old school death metal leaking in. Ryan is definitely uh, more our sort of psychedelic rock uh, vanguard tries to keep that kind of like kraut rock driving rhythm you know you mentioned earthless with that really tight rhythm section that just is like a springboard to take you wherever you want to go trad has a a lot of uh influence and, and history playing like blues and big band stuff um and he's also really into more the stoner rock desert rock kind of vibe so with him everything swings uh we have some where we play pretty straight but um our our default is definitely to put a little swing into it and um and then kevin is coming from more of a classic rock psychedelic rock background um so the like big champions yeah the, the big leads the improvisational sections that's kind of his comfort zone so um obviously there's a lot of overlap we're not we're not islands uh unto ourselves but i'd say that's kind of where you know, we each sort of plant our our flag and and try to pull the rest of the band a little bit more our way here and there. Yeah, we kind of edit edit each other's extremes in a sense. Because as Brian said, if it was just him, it would just be just harsh, oppressive stuff. But I like <laughs> a little bit of melody, so you know that's not going to float on my my end. I want it to groove. So we all kind of shave off maybe some of the stuff that might not be as. Uh, as appealing in certain circles and kind of congeal it into to something that is it's, it's cool to see just our process evolve um i've never been a part of a band that's been this collaborative this uh, uh cohesive it's been cool yeah it's, it's like uh if you could like visualize like buzz and static and reverb it's like kind of like you shave it off a little bit and you're like oh yeah there is like a uh, an amp back there <laughs> um, you can actually hear some sound no but uh but I, I get what you're saying like with you you do want to go for that abrasive because that abrasive sound works well with the you know the, the pessimistic lyrics the nihil the nihilistic themes you know and obviously having had to deal with a fucking year and a half of bullshit you know it definitely lends to you you know thinking about things in a certain light so I get it, but I also get why you weren't like, yeah, I don't want to be fucking sad when I'm like playing this, you know, I was, like, actually a little bit. I get well, it. Yeah, I think the goal is to be cathartic. You yeah, know? It, it, we want it. You know, we want the shows to be uh, fun for us, for for anybody who comes out to see it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and also sort of a release for a lot of these uh, negative emotions and sort of existential uh quandaries you know we can't really solve any of it so we're kind of just screaming into the void and um you know sometimes just the act of doing that feels really nice yeah after a year of not practicing it was just such a relief to be able to get back in the same room and play music live with other human beings and have that release like there's it's definitely it's definitely cathartic from from that end I believe it. I, I've been going back to shows for the first time in like 
in a long time. And <laughs> I mean, I'm a year older, which means I didn't spend a year going to shows. I just got a year older. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, yep. Damn, I'm tired. Like I'm beat, but it's, you can, you can feel the, the emotion and everything like leaking back. And I'm probably going to wind up saying this for the next like <laughs> coming weeks of this podcast, but I just can't stress how good it feels to be going back to live music. It's really nice. Oh, you know, there's something yeah. about that shared experience that, that you, you can't replicate with mm -hmm. albums or videos um, and, and the volume of shows. You know, I think that's something that, especially in this genre, is such an integral part of it is to just, you know, have speaker cabinets moving air in the room. Um, it's a it's a it's a real sensation you know i love when you go to a show and you can you can clamp your hands over your ears and you still feel the bass rumbling in your guts and you know every drum hit you just kind of feel it in your chest it's you you can't there's no substitute for that no there absolutely there's not also uh you guys have two guitar players, which I feel like a lot of the time, you know, it falls on the bassist and the drummer to keep the rhythm. That's sort of the classic approach to things in this genre. Um, but you're, I feel like you're allowing yourself a little bit of an extra layer uh, on your, on your tunes, you know, and then um, Kevin gets to shine a bit there. Remarkably clean sounding too, I'll add. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, it's our dirty little secret. We don't actually use all that much distortion and fuzz. Yeah, uh, we're mostly mostly overdrives. Um, I probably have the the dirtiest tone of the three stringed instruments. Yeah, I've I've pared down a lot. Um, we got a uh, got a sun cab that or a sun uh, head that just it it does the job. Uh, it sounds real real nice without really uh, adds that grit without completely getting rid of that clean base oomph yeah. that I love. I, th I think having that extra layer, you get the volume um, yeah. and you get the density of the sound without, uh, without overloading the signal uh, and, and risking making it too muddy. So that's, that's definitely been kind of uh, an approach that we've tried to build on and having Kevin able to come in and, uh, play so fluently uh, to really give the songs a melodic edge and a nice counterpoint to uh, to what I'm doing vocally uh, is, like I said, I think that's really in a big way what what makes the band. You know, we have a, a really rock solid rhythm section with Ryan and Trad, and um, you know, absolutely, just um, live in the pocket. So right, go ahead. it makes no. I was just saying. It, it makes my job easy. I get to hide all of my deficiencies as a guitarist <laughs> and a singer uh, and, and just bask in the glory of my very talented bandmates. I, like I mentioned before uh, with Trad and the Crystal Spiders and talking to Brenna too, um, you know, Raleigh seems sort of like the tail end stretch of where like that Baltimore DC area doom sort of like trickled downwards into the south and then obviously you know you're talking about your um you know your neighboring uh bands like weed eater and buzz oven and shit like that so like what was the scene what was your scene like growing up and like how has it changed now Ooh. well from a you know metal perspective and a and a you know that kind of scene raleigh's always had something going on 
uh, it ebbs and flows like anywhere, but um, it, especially for hardcore, it's been a really, a really strong underground scene pretty much since COC started in the eighties. Um, uh, you know, there was the big indie rock boom in the nineties uh, where merge records came out of Chapel Hill and, uh, and that whole thing blew up and alt country. Um, but, you know, a lot of those folks all had, all came out of the hardcore scene growing up. So it was, never really absent even if it wasn't um as upfront and i think you know like you mentioned it's kind of down that i-95 corridor to between baltimore and uh and south of here um and so for me coming up you know we kind of caught some of that uh the savannah uh georgia scene that gave us like black tusk and kylesa um we you know, you get the Wilmington, the Cape Fear crowd, your weed eater, sour vein, toke, um, we're coming through a lot. Um, and Richmond is only about two and a half, three hours away and has always had just a mm -hmm. booming metal scene. So, um, you know, I think one of the first metal shows I saw when I was in college was Municipal Waste with Converge uh, at the Cat's Cradle. And, you know, there's never been a shortage of tours coming through. And, you know, Ryan mentioned Between the Buried and Me, they're a North Carolina band. There was a huge metalcore thing between Charlotte and Greensboro for a long time. South Carolina kind of had its its things that shoot up and, and sort of coalesce with what we've got going on. So it's um it's always been it's it's been pretty dynamic, but it's always been fun. And you know, mm -hmm. speaking more broadly of music, there has never been a shortage. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Triangle is one of those rich underdogs. I mean, I feel like he, he, you know, New York, L.A., San Francisco, Austin, Chicago, um, as or D.C. as the big, you know, the big scenes that people look to. But the Triangles always had a, a nice, steady hum. I mean, James Taylor before James Taylor was James Taylor was playing in like a local garage psych band uh, back in what the sixties or something like that. We've always had something blowing up. I mean, we had the eighties uh, with the DBs and I'm sure a bunch of other bands that I'm forgetting the nineties, Polvo, Merge Records, Super Chunk, Archers, of Loaf. Archers yeah. of Loaf. Uh, and then the early aughts with uh, Hammer No More the Fingers, Megaphone, Red Collar, which um, is probably one of one of my favorite local bands, but um, probably not a recognized name. Well, but and, uh, and more specific to kind of our world, you know, there are bands like Tooth uh, and Hog yeah. um, coming out of Durham that you know were playing shows with anti folk bands because for a while it was just kind of anything goes, mm -hmm. and you had these really weird bills just because people were friends that made for a really cool, super fun time. Curtains of Night was a band that was uh, pretty great that uh, eventually broke up. And Nora Rogers from that band is now leading Solar Halos, uh, another fantastic North Carolina band. I don't know. It's it it's just it's kind of everywhere. You know, we uh, we drove down to Columbia for a show and drove past um, Dizzy Gillespie's birthplace. Uh, mm. I used to walk across the train tracks near where Elizabeth Cotton grew up and learned how to play guitar. Uh, George Clinton was from around Canapolis, uh, I think. Um, so it, in Hillsboro, there's one of those historical markers for I think uh, take the A train or something. Oh yeah, yeah. 
you know, you mentioned all the major hubs and like, you know, obviously New York City, and you know, I, I'm, I'm saying that as like uh, someone who lives there now, like obviously New York City is the home of like so much historical importance and it's like a place to be and like a place to like, no matter who you are, you're guaranteed at least a few people are going to show up to your show. If not, like you're going to get like, probably going to have like a sold out house because there's so many of those small great venues but like you know the the triangle as as you call it like it seems more it's like it exists sort of in the shadow but it's there it's you know it it's the response to like a musical hub where it's kind of like how I, I think new jersey you could say it to some degree was similar like that's like yes new york's the name but there's also this thriving underground out of you know new jersey and obviously new jersey is very close to new york and they yeah. have like, the opportunity there but you got to do a little bit more effort with the uh you know when you're work i feel like when you're working out of that the triangle but all all of the bands that have sprung out of that the scenes like you were talking about like whether it was you know toke or black tusk or whatever like it's all sort of in response to this style that came and had like you know the forefathers before it and then just like it's worship of the of of that kind of music but like good and keeping it alive and and whatnot so it's it's a very interesting um sort of like sociological path to follow like how it how it spreads and like what it turns into as it as it moves along yeah it's um it's maybe a little bit on the nose but i think you know in terms of the triangle as a hub we are the nexus of three large universities um mm -hmm. so anywhere you have a college town you're going to have some kind of outlet for people to go out and drink and listen to music but in terms of the the southern sludge sound i mean even going down to new orleans baton rouge talking i hate god thou that whole contingent it's hot and it's humid and things do move at a slower pace <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. I, I think you <clears throat> definitely hear that in Southern bands, Southern doom bands and sludge bands, you know, you kind of hit that groove and just let it sit and it, it, it sticks like, like sweat in the summer. Um, and that's kind of that intangible feeling, but I think most of the, the doom bands from the South that I hear, that's sort of that, that element that we all share that uh i it's not something you can put into musical theory it's just <laughs> kind of just the way that we we live and feel that's kind of music i always it's always been music that helps me with um with a visualization if that makes any sense mm -hmm. um and i definitely think that there's a lot of folks that would agree with it in a way that like when you listen to some of it you can picture like a mountainscape or a forest or a great body of water or something like that but when you when you're talking about like playing with reverb and fuzz and distortion and that that's it's hard to kind of put that into uh, a literal description oftentimes i'll find myself saying okay have you seen do you know what the movie Tetsuo the Iron Man is? <laughs> yes? Okay, well, this music is kind of like that. It's sort of the feeling I get. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, what, what's the, the saying? Writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Like, you, you can't... <laughs> you can't just put... And, and I, I've spent decades trying to, but you really can't... 
uh, put words that that really do justice to what music can do. It's um, you know, it's it's vibrations in the air. How do you how do you describe that in a way that isn't self-referential or um, kind of uh, hopelessly vague? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the best one was um terry from grief and and warhorse uh he put it perfectly and it's like and but and yet it was so simple or he was just like doom is a mood and always like oh that's just doom backwards that's brilliant <laughs> yeah. that's like the best way to put it like what is it it's a mood yeah i i would agree you know uh, i i think you know as ryan said we started out with a with a pretty clear concept to kind of try to grapple with some existential ideas um, around the climate crisis, um, wealth inequality, and and just sort of those like large scale injustices that you see and feel every day and can't really do anything about on an individual level. Um, that, that doom, that sort of oppressive mood, that sort of low hum of anxiety and of course then you add a global pandemic into the mix and oh man i'm going to be writing for the next year the next five years just on that but it, it really is it's sort of you know i think the mood of doom is really just about kind of trying to grapple with things that are are bigger than than you can really impact i mean you look at a lot of the Im imagery and it's monoliths and the ocean and these vast expanses uh, of space or land that are really hard to fathom and, and make you feel really small. Um, and sort of, you kind of get that, uh, I guess you could say it's, it's kind of depressing to think about how insignificant you are in the universe, but I also think it's kind of comforting yeah. to realize that like, it, it's not all on your shoulders. You're individually pretty insignificant. So you're doing the best you can. Keep it up. Yeah, that's certainly something that uh, I went through my head a lot last year. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, we're all walking out of this kind of like weird collective psychosis. And it's it's certainly all kind of affected us in one way or, or another. And some some for some people worse, uh, you know, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's definitely this this brand of music is kind of a great a good way to, you know, that's sort of I, I think I said it's how my brain felt yeah. <laughs> for most of last year. It's kind of fucked up to think year. that we started this band at kind of the perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidental marketing. The... Nothing like, you know, the world dying, late stage capitalism crushing us and a global pandemic to make us feel like we're, you know, we, we very really, topical. <laughs> we've really tapped into the zeitgeist here. You didn't have uh, to go too far. The apocalyptic millenarian zeitgeist that is now everybody's <laughs> worldview. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, you really don't need to go that far from reality to, you know find something to talk about and kind of get your inner frustrations and anxieties out in a manner and try to process all of it <clears throat> it's yeah the man and as we've also said it's weirdly meditative at times mm -hmm. too i think i feel like sometimes you're just like i just need to hear this abrasive yeah. <laughs> noise like it, it's like a, it's like a wire brush cleaning a grill like you're just scraping all the sludge out of your brain 
a hundred percent a good friend of mine uh came out to a show and and she's not typically into this type of music but she said i i really liked it it was like it was very meditative kind of hypnotic but angry like an angry meditation and i was like that's that's it you nailed it 100 percent. that's exactly how i'd like to be described from here on out <laughs> nice yeah i i think that's a very uh, apt description so you also have a demo out for you guys like what was it like putting this record together obviously you know like you know you put the band together right at the start of the pandemic i'm assuming things got sidelined and everything like that and you kind of had to work around that to get it to get it to where we are now yeah i think you know we played our first show in i think september of 2019 yep um going into 2020 we had uh we booked about a show a month through april or may we were um, ready to go into the studio that summer we we had planned to do it um we played one show in 2020 that february that we were uh, the the next show that we had planned, we were going to open up for Yatra in Chapel Hill with uh, with Lair from Richmond, which is kind of a dream bill, honestly, for me. And that was on March 13th, which was the day that everything got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Friday you know, the like, 13th. Yeah. Lucky. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was one of those things where, you know, at first nobody really re knew how long it was going to be or, or what the deal was. Um, but as soon as we realized that things were going to be closed for a while, we, we kind of cobbled together the demo. Uh, we had some phone recordings from practice and things and said, you know, this will kind of be a holdover so we can say, hey, world, we exist. And for as long as the lockdowns lasted, all the money that we, get, that we got from that record, we were just passing along to our, our uh, local venue employee relief fund once they stopped with that and things opened back up we we stopped doing that but you know pretty much the entire first year plus that that was out we were just kind of trying to do our little part to keep venues afloat we we did end up losing a couple um unfortunately and the landscape is definitely different than it was um for live music uh here and elsewhere but I, you know, for us, it was, we, we felt like we were just, you know, just getting going uh, when we had to hit the brakes for really a year and, you know, didn't practice, didn't really have any uh, other than occasionally getting on Zoom or playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, that's really kind of what kept us going through the whole thing. So yeah, one of the first goals we had when, when we got vaccinated and got back together to start practicing was let's let's finish this thing we have some new songs to finish we booked time with our friend scotty sandwich really just we, we kind of picked a date and said we're gonna have we're gonna have something ready by then and uh we'll go in and record whatever it is that we have and and that's what we did side note i did dnd like get really popular during the pandemic was it just i think so like I think it so. did right because i know I feel like I've been just meeting more people that are into it and it's, it's not for me. Like, <laughs> I think it's cool. I love fantasy shit, like whatever it is. Um, but some, I've never been good with like cards and uh, tabletop games. It's never really been my thing. I, I need it to be like a three dimensional video game that I can run around with a sword and like hack people and blow them up with 
fire spells and shit like that. But I feel like I've met so many people that are like way into it. And it's people that I never in a million years <laughs> thought was gonna, we were going to get in D&D. So it must have gotten huge. And it makes sense because you can do it easily remotely. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, yeah. I think it's been getting more popular. Since but Stranger Things, at least. Yeah, but the, the pandemic really like, it's kind of tailor-made for playing over Zoom. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was that was my social life. I didn't, I was fairly D&D averse until um, we yeah. were like, hey, let's just, you know, what the hell else are we going to do during this pandemic? Let's I I played a little bit beforehand, but it was really like, okay, now I'm playing three times a week because that's the only outlet I have. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, like the only people I see are my wife and my cats, who I love dearly, but after you know months of being in the same condo together i think we're we were both kind of like we we need some sort of outlet and um dnd was how i did it yeah yeah and what sold me was the more like collaborative storytelling element mm. uh the the dm that runs our campaign um I guess one of our campaigns does a whole, did a whole homebrew with a little bit of a pandemic theme as kind of like a little outlet for our pandemic frustrations. So uh, we kind of just, we're not playing like a tr traditional D and D campaign. We're kind of just fucking around, but it's, it's a blast just to, you know, eat, stretch our imaginations and see people virtually that we otherwise yeah. wouldn't because of the pandemic. Well, I think zoom is like zoom calls are, are tough because unless you have a, an agenda of something to talk about, it's kind of hard to just have a conversation like you would in real life. Uh, it feels a little too contrived, but something like an interview or a, uh, a D and D session, you kind of put some parameters around it. So it keeps everybody engaged. I just think it's really interesting just like that, how much that like popped up. I did forget about it being in stranger things. I did forget about that. <laughs> You know who else was uh, not a big fan of D and D uh, before chatting with us was our uh, lovely producer and engineer Scotty Sandwich, who we have since converted. You're not supposed to tell anybody about that. I thought he made it public. Now he's made no. it public. No. You better hope he doesn't watch this. Uh, it's off <laughs> the record, then. Shit. <laughs> I, you got hey, the scoop. I plead the fifth. <laughs> you heard it here first diary of doom scotty sandwich plays dungeons and dragons <laughs> nerd <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd uh that was uh that was 100 his response when when we started rolling out a one shot in the studio but then you, you sit in the room long enough and you hear other people okay i'll i'll chime in here and next thing you know you're you're down the rabbit hole it's like when i uh, I made fun of uh, bird watchers and then I got a really nice camera and I was trying to take pictures and my girlfriend was like, you fucking made fun of bird watchers. What are you doing now? And I was like, all right, you're right. <laughs> I definitely cop to it. Yeah. I, uh, I've just kind of realized as I've gotten older, everybody's hobbies, even if they seem dumb to me, I, I have no room to talk. Right. Yes. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're, <laughs> I have no room to talk. <laughs> whatever whatever gets you through the day, you know? Well, I'm glad that it was, uh, you did successfully get it done. And I do like, uh, the last song is literally just like this fucking total exploration of just like feedback and noodling. But like you said, this is like a moment for Kevin to do his little 
psychedelic action and whatnot. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it's just like, it's not quite sun levels of reverberation, but it's certainly uh, an experiment with what you can do with a frequency. Yeah, that's, um, that's really what we were going for. We ended up having an extra day in the studio um, and kind of put down some tracks that we'd been We'd been experimenting with it. Um, there, there's a a loose idea of a riff uh, buried under there that I kind of play and then stretch and and tear apart and bring back. We we ended up bringing it out at a show because Ryan's uh, Ryan blew out his bass cab. So while we were getting that fixed, uh, Kevin and I just started droning on this uh, this really slow riff and and giving him some space to meander around it. Obviously, it wasn't quite the same without the low end. When when we had a little extra time, we said, you know what, let's let's put this down and see what happens. And and when we listened back, we were all kind of like, I don't think it's something we could have planned or composed, but the way it came out just really felt like a nice fitting kind of resolution for the album, sort of the the aftermath, I guess. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, it's it's like an, it's almost like an epilogue, you know. Some bands do like an intro. This is mm-hmm. like kind of, you know, you forego the intro and mm-hmm. um, and it moves along too at a nice clip is what I liked about it too. Um, doesn't kind of overstay its welcome, and then you get like this long, uh, long form song. Uh, it, it's kind of like what Gatecreeper did with their EP that came out earlier this year. They did like death metal, death metal, death metal, death metal, and then funeral doom yeah you know or like death doom whatever and And they and they nailed it that was so good yeah i mean it was kind of you know we feel after after i've been screaming in your face for 25 minutes um a little bit of relief isn't a bad isn't a bad thing so um i think you know some of the newer stuff that we've started working on we're trying to harness some more of those elements of kind of uh, letting it roam a little bit, um, open up some more space and play some more with drones, um, as well as kind of keeping that groovy sludgy core that is, I, I feel that's kind of where, where our heart really is, but to kind of stretch the confines of that as much as we can too. So it doesn't just get boring. Now that you've got your feet off the ground and uh, you've got a little tour coming up, is there any like dream tours or something like a festival that you'd want to be that you'd love to be part of? I mean, you're right in the you're in the right area for for that kind of stuff. So you just have to make a loud enough bit of noise. Yeah, um, you know, I think we're we're looking forward to hopefully in 2022 um, just kind of going out on a regular clip you know we all have day jobs and home responsibilities so the uh the month-long tour probably isn't going to happen um but we definitely want to try to make the best use of our weekends as far as dream festivals or or dream tours you know i think it would be awesome to play you know one of the one of the festivals like monolith on the mesa or um, Maryland Doomfest, obviously Roadburn would be a dream, or any of the Desert Fests. Um, there, there's so many good ones. I mean, yeah. Dun- Duna Jam is what I have my my heart set on <laughs> as the ultimate dream, just to uh, play in that idyllic as fuck setting on the Italian coast. 
Which, yeah, I, you know, I I think we um, I guess the dream would be any any sort of fly fly gig where we you know somebody will fly us out to play for uh, <laughs> a bunch of people who don't know us in some place that um, we might not have gone to on our own. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be pretty amazing um, just to get the chance to see a different part of the world. But yeah, I think, you know, our goal is to just kind of stretch it out as, as much as we can do and kind of see what, what comes with that. And hopefully, you know, the momentum will uh, fuel itself. We'd love to be able to get to the West coast or, um, you know, down through uh, Mexico and into central and South America. We, there's a ton of bands down there that we mm -hmm. all love like uh, La Iglesia Atomica and the Mephistopheles, Arteaga, kind of Argentinian scene. Satanico mm. um, Marijuanas. Yes. Um, Familia de Lobos. El Gevaso. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, Ancestro. Yeah, that whole... So much good shit down there. ...continent is, is amazing. And uh, yeah, if we could tour internationally, we would love to do that. Um, it may be a little far-fetched, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. Do you have anything else uh, currently in the works? Um, obviously, you know, obviously the album is due out really soon, so I would imagine uh, probably not. But do you have plans to go back to the studio in the future, like next year sometime or anything like that? Yeah, I think we've got uh, nothing concrete uh, in terms of recording at this point, but we are definitely hoping to uh, try to go and record um, something a little more substantial, I think, uh, next year. Um, so there's some new songs that we're sort of sketching out and, and finding our way around right now. Um, I'm not sure how soon they'll make it into the set list, but um, that's definitely something to keep an ear out for. In the, in the meantime, we're, we've got, I think, 10, or sho 10 shows or something lined up between now and the end of the year. It's kind of gotten away from me. It's it's snowballed. So I can't keep track, man. Every day you send <laughs> new dates, and I'm like, I mean, all right. Shit, um, shit. But you know, we're we're really excited. We're do we're about uh, next week uh, start. So starting on the 12th uh, of November, our album release, we're doing a three day run with Cosmic Reaper from Charlotte, uh, who are just fantastic. Uh, so I I can't wait to see them every night for a few nights, and we're gonna go down to. Uh, Atlanta and play with Big Oaf and Dope Goat. We're going to go to Asheville and uh, play with U.S. Christmas, which is really exciting. Um, a, a band that we all love very much, and they don't play super often, so it's a it's a huge special treat. treat. Um, and then we have a big never kind heard of this band, uh, big kind of local showcase on the 14th in Raleigh. Um, we've got uh, Witch Tit and Cult Icon. Uh, doing sets as well as Cosmic Reaper and, and Doomsday Prophet. Uh, and then we got some special solo sets as well. Um, Spencer Lee from the band Make is uh, is debuting a new solo project, this you know, super loud, noisy drone called Macnovist. Uh, and then Nora Rogers, who I mentioned earlier from Solar Halos, is going to do a, a solo set as well. She's got a couple solo um, sort of drone improv albums out that are are really fantastic uh that she plays guitar and cello um so that should be you know a nice change of pace um without you know totally changing the mood um and then 
December, we're we're playing with Resin and Lair and uh, Resin kicks ass. They've yeah. been on here before. They're awesome. We are so stoked. Um, yeah. We're we're playing a little festival in town called Kraken Fest with um, uh, Tooth and Moynock and a lot of black metal bands and some grind bands and it's going to be a blast. And then um, we will be playing in Atlanta again with Empty Black and uh, a newer band called Deadlink. Um, and then a couple other things that hopefully will be uh, all confirmed in the next in the next week or so. But it, we're going to be having a, a very busy November and December, at, at, at least by our standards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, and have you been uh, listening to anything else lately of note? Uh, you know, you just dropped some names in there that I'll definitely be checking out uh, when I listen back to this. Uh, yeah, I you know it's been it's been a crazy year um, for for new releases. Um, it, it's kind of hard not to talk about the new Green Lung and the new Monolord that just came out. I have um, I have not given the new Monolord a spin yet, but the new Green Lung album is like fucking ace. I love it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Their last record was sick too, but this one was like even better. Yeah, I I haven't figured out which one I like better yet. Um, but I I don't mind having that problem. Yeah, uh, I'll just have to keep have. listening until I figure it out. Blackwater Holy Light's new record is really fantastic. Oh yeah, damn. You know, Cosmic Reapers album came out earlier this year. Uh, if you mm. haven't heard that, I definitely recommend it. Um, what else? Uh, Mythic but... Sunship had a dope ass record. Uh, psych Rock Heavy Psych out of uh, Copenhagen um, goes into the more like free jazz territory too, um, which is rad as hell. MD Mokhtar's new record um is pretty 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 dope uh rostro del sol out of mexico i've been uh that's definitely been in heavy rotation too kind of like a proggy zappa ish 70s psych fusion the um uh the other things that i've been really into uh all of the the boris archival stuff they've been putting out on bandcamp mm -hmm. friday has been taking mm -hmm. all of my money <laughs> um because it's it's well it's boris so it's all amazing and fantastic and even if it's you know completely off the wall from what you expect it's you know they they do it amazingly um i also uh recently discovered a another north carolina sludge band that i hadn't heard before but um i think they they had put out a record on tp records back in the day um called seven foot spleen definitely in that uh buzz oven kind of territory um i really love the new carcass record uh, I, I did like it it was good uh, i mean they put hand claps in there so <laughs> they're clearly just they they don't have anything to prove and they're just rolling with it it's it's fantastic you know there there's been so much good stuff i will say we're very excited to share a release day with endless boogie uh, yes but... we're sure they're, we're sharing a lot of release days uh it's a popular release day apparently idols is releasing uh their next record on the 12th um i feel like there's several others that are coming out on the 12th too that i'm excited for but not excited enough apparently to remember what they are <laughs> <laughs> well endless boogie is putting out their record on the same day that uh our record is coming out and if it's anything like their previous records um <clears throat> it will be way better than our record very true <laughs> i i don't get me wrong i think our record's great and everybody should go buy it but 
by endless like endless record first. God damn, <laughs> that band can fucking get it. That that is a band. If ever there has been a band name that is truth in advertising, it is endless boogie. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. I don't have anything down here except for you guys on the on the twelfth. Well, but definitely check out priority straight. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh. I think it's relatively clear of other stuff in the genre. You know, I'm I'm glad we're not releasing on the same day as Monolord. <laughs> oh just, yeah. Or Mastodon. Or Green Lung. Completely uh, overlooked, but um, it should be good. the The new Grim Earth record comes on Desert Records comes out, I think, this Friday, which uh, I'm very stoked on. Desert Records has been killing it this year. Mm-hmm. I did finally listen to <clears throat> the new Rivers of Die Hell album. It's really fucking good. Did not know that that guy was hard of hearing. That's pretty oh, wow. fucking interesting. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Very interesting. <laughs> but that album kicks ass. Found this band. I don't even remember how I fucking found them, but they might win the award for having like grossest band name, at least for this year. They're called Seeping. Like, look, <laughs> listen, Seeping. If you're a fan of the show, awesome but like your band name is gross as fuck (laughs) (laughs) this makes me think of like slow dripping off color liquids Um, they should do a tour with the band weeping sores yeah yeah Uh. exactly oh that band is really good too um (laughs) well yeah but yeah this album or it was like an ep um really good like just fucking gross deathy nasty shit um i really like that Shit, I had that new Panopticon stuck in my head for a long ass time. I can't oh, I haven't listened to that for a while. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sooner or later here go through the annual ritual of pouring through everything and deciding arbitrarily uh, on the last day available to me. Which was uh, it is November, day. isn't it? I should start doing that. I always <laughs> wait until the last. I always for Global Garage. I always listen to so much fucking music. I'm like, this year I will stay on top of it. I will make a note of all of the records that I have loved throughout the year, and uh, without fail, I think I stopped taking uh, tracking that about March. Well, so what's, what's still a lot of work ahead. Of me what's wild to me is a lot of magazines that are you know on that old print schedule are doing year-end best-of list submissions are due in, like, October. Like, Which we're, is... We're too late. We're, we're, we're a next-year release now. Yeah, I guess. I do not understand any of those, like, releases. It's so bizarre, and, like, it's so manipulated. I'm like, no, it's January 1 to December 31. That's the, that's the qualifier. Very simple. Yeah. Well, yep. you know, the lesson is don't release your album on December 31. You know, it sucks because sometimes there are like some good albums that sneak in in the last couple weeks of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There are some that I've I've missed uh, that yeah. I don't hear for like a month or a couple weeks after I put together the best of year list. And I'm like, shit, if I had actually fucking heard that, that would have been definitely on the list. And... Well, I also feel like you're at a disadvantage if you come out in like February, because by the end of the year, you know, people have spent time with you but there's new stuff that's yeah. fresher in their mind. And uh, right. you know, you're, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle at that point. I think the, the ideal is like a, a big major release at the middle end of October. The Oscar movies come out all at yeah. once. Exactly. 
but then you know you're like coast along and everyone's just like well you know like uh portrayal of guilt's record from well they're the first record they put out in january was amazing and you know i'm like damn this is like hands down like probably going to be up there you know <laughs> frozen soul had their their album was amazing like that's probably going to be in there for me you know and that's not even getting into like you know my doom picks and you know that stuff that's more in the the, the typical wheelhouse here but you never know what's going to pop up because most people are like oh man you know these people are close there and then all of a sudden Macedon is just like yeah we're here double album please yep. give us the award i'm just like oh my god i haven't listened to it yet I haven't either. Like, I, I like, have oh nothing to say about it. But... Double Mastodon album. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all somewhat arbitrary, but it's fun. It is fun. And I'm I'm totally working on my best of too. And I am so behind on stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> like... I mean, the, the main purpose in my mind to of any of those year-end rankings is really just to argue with your friends about it and to say and to see stuff that you might have missed and go, oh, that sounds like something I would like. And then remedy uh, the past month's mistakes of omission. For me, it's to remember what the fuck came out that year that I really dug. <laughs> I always I don't know how many times that. I've referenced previous lists and like, what was that fucking record that I was listening to? I was fucking obsessed <laughs> with that I completely fucking forgot about. Oh yeah, shit, hell yeah. I like to talk to my friends who are into different, like really more different kinds of music than me, and. Because there usually is some overlap, but I'm always interested to see like what they put on theirs versus mine. Because they're always just like, "Oh, that sounds really cool," you know. I'll never yeah. check that out, but. <laughs> well, and you also you you get it filtered, right? Like if you yeah. have a jazz friend, they're doing all the all the hard work, and they just point you to the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. a it's a good situation to be in. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to plug or promote besides? Uh, in idle orbit out November 12th um, as of uh, this recording is two weeks away. Yes. Well, uh, obviously that's our, that's our big thing. Um, just trying to get that out there and really just hope people enjoy it. Um, I hope it is uh, useful in some way <laughs> after the, the crazy year and a half. Um, while we're talking about uh, releases of 2021, I would be remiss if I did not mention Crystal Spiders Morieris, which just came out last month. It does uh, kick ass. It kicks a lot of ass. It's got Mike Dean from COC playing guitar all over it. Um, he produced it. Uh, they just cracked the Doom charts this month, so we're we're very stoked for our buds. And it's got um, trad. It does have. And trad. it's got trad. Uh, the uh, interview averse drummer extraordinary. Uh, you, know what, you know what doesn't have trad? This podcast. <laughs> Ooh uh we'll uh we'll make sure to give him a, a stern lecture on your behalf dylan <laughs> when, when we let him out of the basement yeah <laughs> but no you know i think we're we're gonna try to play shows and, and try to keep writing and uh just really enjoy the process and hopefully uh the people who are subjected to us playing loudly at them will uh, enjoy the experience and if you do and if you're the show come say hi we'd love to chat you heard him. Awesome. Well, good luck with everything. Hope everything goes smoothly on the tour. Definitely check out the record uh, when it comes out November 12th. And yeah, give us then. Buy their shit.
if you're down in the down in the the southern region of the country, go check them out. They're playing with some good cats. Definitely. I want to check out this U.S. Christmas band. That sounds rad. They sound pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I actually they uh I saw them referenced on Reddit today because uh, somebody posted in, on the doom metal thread like, what what would you imagine would be like doom metal plus Hawkwind? And somebody was like, U.S. Christmas. There is no <laughs> other answer. <laughs> that is there's a metal band for everything yeah like, that makes well, sense it, as to why i fucking love it yeah it's it's uh it's very hawk windy uh it's definitely got a, a nice appalachian vibe in a subtle way but you know great long form psychedelic doomy good stuff um they have gotten a lot of comparisons to neurosis which i think are well deserved but i don't think they're as uh dark as neurosis tends to be oh, i'm definitely gonna check them out for sure yeah. i don't think you'll regret it no, i don't think so <laughs> a few times i have been disappointed checking stuff out like this so all right cool well thank you guys for coming on this was a lot of fun and that'll do it for this chapter of the diary great thank you so much for having us and yeah uh, thank you we'll look forward to chatting again sometime
excuse me. Um, 